What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! How about that? Welcome to episode 11 of Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. Shit, it's not episode 11. Welcome to episode 10 of Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It's a special edition, quarantine style. Today's guest is Steve Paolo. Steve is a fantasy baseball analyst and a longtime player of the game. He's from California, so he's a cool dude. Join your host today, Michael Govier, as they talk shop, fantasy baseball, gummy bears, and so much more. Now here's your host, Michael Govier. Take it away, Mike. Greetings, everyone. It is I, Michael Govier. Welcome to the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. It's episode 10. We are live from Quarantineville. We're on lockdown here in the apartment, but we're doing well. We've got multiple televisions, multiple PlayStation 4s, and we're going to be okay. we got plenty of food, dish soap, hand soap, and everything else to avoid COVID. But that's not why you're listening to this. We're hoping to bring you a distraction, some fantasy baseball analysis from the great Steve Paolo. Steve is a Pretty cool dude. He's from California. He's laid back, but he knows his stuff. Don't push him on certain issues or else he'll he'll bite back. No, he's a great guy. I really enjoyed talking to him, so I hope this ends up being enjoyable for you as well. It went by very fast. Hour and a half of baseball talk surprisingly flew by. And it was nice to kind of dive into something beyond the 24-7 uh, you-know-what. So sit back, relax. Kick back in your favorite easy chair and enjoy Steve Paolo and I talking fantasy baseball. We cover the gamut. I know that we don't know when the season will start, so we don't try to make any assumptions on that. But we talk about players that he still likes, uh, his projection system, which I find very interesting. It's a little different than other ones. And I think there's room for everybody who has their own unique perspective in the data world. Thanks again for listening. We're Palazzo Podcast and Twitter. 
Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. If you have any feedback about the show or the last couple of guests we've had, we would love to hear from you. That's two L's, two Z's, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Now, on with the show. Today we have a very special guest, a sweet man, a, a caring human being who is so thrilled to be here. His name is, by the way, I didn't even ask you before the show started. Is it Steve Paolo? Yeah, just uh, there's no fancy accent that has to go on anything. Just Paolo. Yeah. Pa- Paolo. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Steve Paolo. He is a baseball analyst, baseball player. He plays, fan- well, not a literal baseball you well, do you i was baseball? until oh well, you know i played some softball a few you know, 10 years ago little league <laughs> but that's about it he's a fantasy baseball player analyst has his own projection systems which we will talk about that's one of the main reasons i had him on uh this is the enrico plus podcast we are part of the bases loaded network check out basesloadednetwork.com mike curlin zach braff sp streamer a host of writers at your disposal for top-notch fantasy baseball information basesloadednetwork.com if you have questions for us we're a palazzo podcast two l's two z's okay we got all that out of the way so steve why don't you introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you for those who don't know you hi yeah well thanks for having me mike uh my name is steve paulo as uh, as you pointed out earlier um i am a software engineer by trade um along with a handful of other superlatives but uh <clears throat> of potential interest to your listeners is that i i sort of dabble in the world of, of projecting when it comes to baseball started off with the system that i call tomi which is the team handicapping and odds modeling engine which projects team level performance um, and then just this season i've introduced a system called catfish a trending forecast involving simple heuristics that does player level analysis so um yeah so they named them after favorite players of mine because why not make it fun so these are named after jim tomi and jim hunter i just realized now they're both gyms but uh i'll have to figure out how many more gyms i can i can mine for uh product names but yeah so that's why uh that's why your people may want to listen to me i'm not suggesting necessarily that they do but maybe they do that would be why you are the lord of fantasy baseball correct <laughs> it is definitely not true i don't know oh, oh. <laughs> Whoops. i have been misinformed folks sorry about that you have been wildly but you brought up an interesting word uh heuristics now it may sound it's not a I don't know what circles you run in, but it's not maybe a word that people use in their everyday vernacular, but it is something that we are all a part of. Could you explain heuristics briefly? Uh, no, not really. Uh, actually, no. So, <laughs> no so, so, so to be totally honest, like my understanding of heuristics is basically it's sort of a catch-all term for a variable that changes in, in some kind of um, modeling algorithm or data model. Um, I'm not going to stand on that from like an Oxford Merriam-Webster standpoint. Um, basically, I love backronyms. And so I came up with the name Catfish and then filled in the letters to get an acronym. Same thing with Tomy. Um, and so when I needed an H, you know, I was searching through sort of uh, statistical terms and, and came up with that. So um, I'm not, you know, necessarily the best, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, wordsmith when it comes to some of that. But, uh, you know, my understanding of, of heuristics is that it's just uh, um, sort of part and parcel with any sort of data modeling. So 
Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you in the spot with that one. <laughs> hey, you snuck that one in there, man. I don't see that in the show notes here. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. That's what we do here on the Palazzo Pod. Watch out. We're sneaky. Um, you know, it's an approach to problem solving or self-discovery that employs a practical method that is not guaranteed to be optimal, which is interesting. Mm, that totally fits. Yeah, that tracks. Definitely not oh. guaranteed to be optimal. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Before we get into your projection systems, I think it's fair. We have to address it. I mean, COVID-19, mm-hmm. we have a major situation that has affected all sports, not just baseball. How are you viewing the situation? I mean, I don't need you to speak for Major League Baseball or make <laughs> any grand predictions, but um, what's your take on the situation related to baseball terms? Not to minimize the value of human life in any way. Right. Yeah, not 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 to comment. Yeah, again, on any, anything that's happening in people's real lives. I mean, I've got you know school age kids, and, and obviously there's things affecting all of us. But if we're looking at just from a baseball perspective, and maybe even more um, concretely, you know, to a fantasy baseball perspective, um, one of the things that's going to do is all those guys that we were seeing come up with sort of minor injuries and little strains here and there over the course of spring training. Guys, I'm thinking off the top of my head, like uh, Scherzer and Judge, and maybe to an extent Verlander. We're not 100 percent sure what was going on with him, but you know, a handful of these guys um Paxton you know maybe Snell all um, of the Yankees <laughs> all the Yankees pitchers and Judge and etc and John Carlos Stanton etc these guys with sort of you know not not your Luis Severinos of the world uh you know obviously this is not help his Tommy John situation but um the guys with little nagging sort of strain injuries well I know for for Catfish a lot of the plate appearance and innings pitched you know, pre- playing time projections that I had had to dry, dial down, I've, I've bumped back up because my assumption is with, you know, I would think at a minimum three extra weeks of recovery time before the season starts, you're more likely to see some of those players actually participating from from the beginning of, of whenever the season actually does start. The other thing, you know, you'd have to take into consideration at some point, and this would be really more about what kind of guidance do we get from MLB is do we end up dropping away from 162 game season? You know, do we end up at like 144 game season or something different? Um, and if that happens, the the upside or the, the advantage sort of to it is that um, outside of, you know, the way that can affect guys who are sort of chronically injured and maybe giving them less opportunity to get injured, um, it'll affect everybody evenly, right? So it shouldn't radically alter sort of your rankings or or maybe your relative value of players, but it will change things. You know, uh, in the 144 game season, I've, or in 162 game season, rather, I've got um, Matt Olson's hitting 400, excuse me, Matt Olson hitting 43 home runs, and I've got Adalberto Mondesi, the only guy stealing more than 50 bags. If we drop to 144 games, neither of those things happen. I don't think anybody right. hits 40 bombs. I don't think anybody steals 50 bags, you know. But everybody would have all of their stats sort of depressed if we if we drop away from 162 games. So it's not crucial. I think that the more immediate kind of um, change is, is it those, those small little spring training injuries? Um, those guys have more time to recover now. I think it's huge. You know, I was thinking about the NBA. I know this is not a basketball podcast, <laughs> but you know, a guy like Kevin Durant could come back and play this season. You know, these, mm-hmm. there's going to be so many different angles now and new opportunities for injured players to come back. Mitch Hanniger, I know Mitch Hanniger has had some yeah. major injury issues recently with the core and his hernia and his lower um, no but he's a he's a great example yeah of a guy who who will probably see more baseball this year if, if we end up playing 162 games and it's just sort of backed up then Hanniger's going to play in more games than he would have judge is going to play in more games than he would have and stanton is as well so for sure i agree it's unfortunate what's happening and uh mm-hmm. if you're struggling with covid right now if it's affecting your family your life uh you know 
obviously we're with you and I hope everything goes smooth for all of you. Uh, we've been bunkered up here, me and my roommate now for a few days. Uh, we're already getting sick of each other, but we're making the best of it. So, so let's move into kind of your background and why did, mm-hmm. why did you start making projection systems? I mean, I know that everybody, it seems that there's a, so much information today. <laughs> yeah. I know it's not a seems it is a baseball mm. has so much content. It's born and it's, history is in numbers it's the most rich history of numbers of any sport that there is in my opinion but how did you get into saying hey you know what i think i could contribute something maybe different to the data world well i think sorry pardon me Uh, i think that that happened for me oh gosh about two years ago i guess when i decided because i i sort of enjoy uh playing the occasional small wager on on baseball games in addition to in fantasy and so um there's a lot less useful data out there for that purpose. And I think that as we're seeing sort of national uh, attitudes towards sports wagering, and obviously, you know, daily fantasy being a part of that, you know, that's all shifting. But, you know, a few years ago, even it was sort of difficult to discover, or to, to suss out kind of like, well, for instance, baseball prospectus does a great job of, of projecting individual players. We all know the Picota uh, projection system It's very famous. Um, they also will take those projections and then sort of extrapolate them out to standings right but the problem with that in my opinion was always that it's sort of it was sort of like uh just adding up the pieces i don't know in in a way to me it seemed like you should be able to have some system that looks at the entire team as sort of the projectable organism you know as it were and so i came up with this idea from tommy after reading a book called uh, trading bases which was written by a guy um, whose name is now escaping me, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Peta, Joe Peta, right? <laughs> that's right. Joe Peta. And, uh, I, I did some you. research. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Joe Peta's trading basis. He was a uh, stock market uh, analyst, trader, you know, but like a data guy, like a quant, uh, as they say in, the, in that world. Um, buzzword. And, yeah. And uh, he got in this horrible car accident. This was probably like 2011, 2012. And uh, huh. with the time given to him, <laughs> because he couldn't go into work, he was like, you know, decided to take hedge fund management concepts and address and, and bring them to the world of wagering on baseball. And one of the main kind of ways he decided to do that was what we call the team totals wagers. And so at the beginning of every year before a season starts, you know, Vegas and other sports books come out with this team is going to win this number of games and your bet is either over or under that total. Usually it's actually a number and a half so that there's no ties. You know, there's always mm-hmm. a, every, every wager wins or every uh, win total they end up at is either a win or a loss. Yeah. I think and the Tigers so, are at 56 roughly or 56 and a half and for this year to bring in local. So yeah, I was going to say, that's right. You're up in, uh, in uh, uh, Ann Arbor up there. Right? Yeah. So that's right. yeah, specifically, yeah, specifically uh, looking at the Tigers, um, where are they? There they are. 56 and a half. Yeah. Which actually Tommy thinks they they'll beat has about a 60% confidence that they'll, they'll win more than that. So, you know, what? but wow. that's not a, that's not a particularly confident confidence. <laughs> oh, okay. 61%, right. you know, means 39% of the time. No, they're not. Um, but anyway, so, so I got into this to, to kind of take it to the sports wagering side of things. And then um, after a couple of years of, of pretty wild success with that, um, I was like, well, maybe I can take some of the same ideas that I have about um, sort of stripping out the luck that goes into baseball and, and really dialing some of the performance down to the most base numbers and then applying sort of really just kind of rudimentary, but, but important, like, um, regressions to the mean and aging curves and things like that. I could apply those directly to players. And that's why catfish came about. Wow. That's great. I, I think 
maybe somebody will come up with something during this downtime we have. Maybe there'll be <laughs> a few years from now, some radical new data projection system that we don't even know about yet. There you go. Could be. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm rooting for anybody who's out there doing it. Take advantage <laughs> of this opportunity to do something good. Maybe, maybe do something better than <laughs> just provide a data <laughs> projection system to the world. But hey, well, that's your yeah. pleasure. You know, whatever. It's fun. You know, if you find it, it fun, then it's, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think you got to follow your passions and enjoy yourself because this life could be very short. <laughs> Deep thoughts. That's, All that's right. dark, <laughs> that was, I know, right? It got radical. Okay, so that's the Tomy projection system. Mm -hmm. Catfish is about player projections. It's right. about looking at what, now you can stop me. I don't want to step on no, your yeah. toes here, but based on what I've learned about it, it's about what happened last year. How can we take what happened last year and predict what happens this year with teams and visual players? Right. So, <clears throat> right. So Tommy does it for, for teams and, and really Tommy looks just at last year because um, team by team, there's a lot less variance year to year. So it's just, you just look at last year and you kind of project from that point. Catfish wants to do a little more of a trend, hence the, the concept of being a trending forecast. So it actually looks at the last three years, which is fairly standard in the world of projecting stuff. Three years mm -hmm. is kind of agreed upon, you know, in, in a, um, you know, uh, as you go back a decreasing level of importance, right? So last year is the most important piece, the year before that a little less, year before that a little less. And so what Catfish does is I take, uh, you know, last three years worth of performance, sort of boil it all down to what happened on a per plate appearance or per innings pitched uh, sort of rate um, for every player. Um, I apply uh, sort of a regression to the mean based on league averages that actually, you know, the, the real league averages from each season and then um, apply uh, sort of an, an aging curve to that so that um, a players over 30, you know, get sort of demerits based on how far past 30 they are. Players under 30 get bonuses based on how early they are under 30 to, to, to a, a, a level. I, I, when I first started doing it, it was kind of funny. I, I didn't put um, a maximum sort of scenario on that. And so Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna were both projected to like 75 home runs or something crazy because they're so young. <laughs> Right. They just kept getting, and I was like, okay, now I need to figure out how to dial this back a little into, into reality. And so there is an, a, a limit to which young players can be bumped forward because um, you don't jump that much further ahead just because you are a 20 or 21 year old necessarily. So absolutely. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, basically younger players improve, older players decline. That's not really controversial. And, uh, and that's sort of what, what Catfish does. Does it cover all formats is it just like a catch-all like hey you know this is just what i see for a player insert this right. information into your format as needed so kind of uh obviously there's so many formats out there so many different ways to play fantasy baseball that it kind of can't cover everything and mm -hmm. i'd love for it to at some point right like there would be a way to take the raw data and let you put in you know your own scoring system and your own roster and i don't have anything like that that would be something I would love to build at some point. So what I did instead is I kind of, yeah, sure, exactly. So what I did instead was I kind of put together at least the most popular formats that I play, that I know of, um, that I see a lot of other sort of projection systems basing their value on. So the basic system um, is the 15 team five by five rotisserie, 23 man or 22 man rosters, single catcher. That's like really popular across like fan tracks and NFBC and a whole bunch of different systems. Um, I include in the sort of more Yahoo style head to head where it's like a little closer to a, to a, a traditional lineup. You have a single catcher. There's no corner infielder, middle infield. There's only three outfielders things like that uh, and then a handful of things in between so you know like the same system as nfbc but with um only 12 teams the same system as that but with two catchers or one that's 
you know, replaces average and wins with OVP and quality starts, because that seems to be getting more popular and probably does a much better job of rewarding good players rather than opportunity necessarily. We all know batting average is not quite the measure of hitting skill that we thought it was. It's much more important, right? Who gets on base. So that's so 1985, uh, man. (laughs) Right. And quality starts are just like, you can argue, my dad always argues with me about, you know, what should be a quality start because you know, it's, it's, you go at least six innings, you allow no more than three runs. Well, if you give up three runs in six innings, that's a 4.5 ERA. Is that really quality? I can see the argument that it's not, but the average ERA in a quality start is more like 3.1 just because almost nobody actually gives up all three runs and only goes six innings. You know, they either go another yes. inning or they give up one or two less, whatever it might be. Yeah, context so and does, nuance is important. Yeah. yeah. Then it usually does describe, you know, an outing that your starter put out there that puts you in a position to win. Even if your bullpen blew it later, therefore they don't get the W, right? They did the job you asked them to do. And that's important too. Yeah. yeah. You got to get, you should get credit for what you do, even if it's sure. not, yeah, we, we all we don't need to talk about wins. That's so sixties, <laughs> really. Whoa, um, Yahoo leagues. I feel like you you're somebody who looks down on Yahoo. If you play Yahoo, you're like, ugh, you're less than. Is that true or is that unfair? I, I, I do not personally like head to head. That having been said, I spent years and years and years playing fantasy baseball on nothing but Yahoo and score sheet, which we'll get into later. Um, oh, okay. but, but my but my sort of roto experience was on Yahoo solely for ages and ages. In the last couple of years, I've gotten into sort of a group of guys uh, that I've met through Twitter that are fantasy analysts and different things. And so there's more leagues on Fantrax, more leagues on NFBC because they are, um, the NFBC leagues are built around, you know, their main event. They're kind of considered the World Series, uh, as it were, of fantasy baseball. If you succeed there, the idea is, you know, that's, that's the cream of the crop. And then Fantrax is just a system that, allows for so much more configuration and so much more customization yeah. than Yahoo does or ESPN or CBS. And I'm not looking down on anybody. I ran an AL only eight team league on CBS for like seven years, just because wow. that was growing up with a bunch of A's fans. That's what we all wanted to play. So, um, oh. but you know, are you an A's but, fan? Yeah, I'm a huge A's fan. Yeah. I born and bred in East Bay in, in Northern California. I started going to A's games in the mid eighties as a little kid saw obviously some of the greatest teams ever to take the field from, you know, 87 to 90 or so. And then yeah, uh, minus the roids. Uh, hey, now were they hey. the only ones? Were they the only ones? No, definitely. No, they not. Weren't. definitely That's not. right. Exactly. Yeah. No, those are killer teams. Uh, although I did enjoy, and no offense to you. I enjoyed that Reds team in 1990 who beat them. It was fun. I love an upstart. Yeah. So what can, yeah. and the Dodgers really, it was two upstarts. Yeah. Oh. Every time, every time I see a video, it's like, Oh, the greatest moments in baseball history. I'm like, cool. I can't wait to watch everything, but the top one, cause the top <laughs> one's going to be Gibby hitting it off Eck. And I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to turn it off first. Major like, bias. Those videos. Oh, dude, Major bias. Tigers fan. Kurt, we love Kurt Gibson <sighs> here still. He's, <sighs> he's on our uh, broadcast now as a play by play color I commentator guy. Sure, yeah. He's a wonderful human being, but if I see him he pump is. his fist one more time, I'm just going to scream. God, that sucks because it never gets old. I love watching that. That's yeah, it such does. an interesting it does. You're it a rare old. human being, but you're Am probably I? like most A's fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're not we're not super super big fans of Gibby or the Dodgers out here. <laughs> so if people want to get into your projection systems, do you have like a home base for that or like how Yeah, I mean people- there's two different websites. I mean, they're two different systems, so they don't really share a website yet. I do need to figure out some kind of way to make a hub between the two of them. But yeah, there's Tomi Projections. That's Tomi, like Jim Tomi, T-H-O-M-E. TomiProjections.com uh, is, you know, the team-based, again, sort of more wagering-focused one. And then um, Catfish, the player projections are at catfishprojections.xyz. 
long story short, I owned catfishprojections.com for a while, decided I wasn't going to actually build the system, let the domain expire, went to build the system, and now can't re-register it. I don't know if somebody else did or if it's just simply not available to me or what, but I'm trying every once in a while to, to get the .com back. But for now, catfishprojections.xyz is where those are. And right now they're just, the, it's like five different top 350s. So all those systems we were talking about is like that, but I do still intend, and now I guess I have a little more time before the season starts. I do intend to have like um, a broader, like sort of download of the entire data set because I project nearly a thousand pitchers and a little over 800 batters and so you know the top 350 does not barely scratches the surface of that um you know for any one of the systems so you know at most there's maybe like three you know 400 different players between the five the five lists so i do want to release a bigger thing and have like you know downloadable by csv so if you want to like import it into something or do whatever you know you'd be able to do that yourself um that's the idea at least just haven't quite gotten there yet all right well uh, thanks for joining us steve it's been a great show <laughs> that's it no i'm just kidding we're not any- <laughs> i just wanted to do that no well uh, we're just getting going here this steve paulo joining us steve's on twitter hey steve what's your twitter handle again uh, at steve paulo the last name is p-a-u-l-o steve paulo that's good excellent you got have you ever been on the radio steve like the real radio or just podcast no just podcast i do a little voiceover work now and again but yeah just uh never on the real I radio I, I was in, I, I was in high school theater does that count I, you know, oh yeah i had to, I had to project from from the stage was in a library so we really had to yeah. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> i'm not kidding wow. yeah. <laughs> we did uh meet me in st louis my freshman year that was fun nice i did uh christmas carol I had to play scrooge my senior year so that was wow you got to play time. scrooge you yeah, must have been like the guy at your school yeah, you know I kind of was. funny enough uh at my school in my class was uh darcy carden she's on a show called the good place now on nbc she, uh, she and I were a bunch of plays together in high school yeah who uh who is she on the she's she... janet that's her i thought yeah, that's who yeah, it was yeah 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 i grew up no with kidding. her yeah. <laughs> oh, i love that show I, okay i watched the first two seasons i haven't finished it oh, but i love you the got first to two seasons. oh the whole show is fantastic to. with the this last downtime, season especially. i might have time so you have to yeah the, especially the last season i'm, I'm just not going to give anything away but but the last season's fantastic it really does wrap it up beautifully so oh that's cool oh a fun little bit of trivia that is cool well, fun fact. And a good show by fun the way fact. it really is <laughs> fun facts right uh so i get curious about because you clearly um i'm getting a data vibe you like in mm-hmm. numbers you are mm-hmm. you a nerd would you call yourself a nerd or is that just yeah i think that no 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 that's fine <clears throat> i think that word has like lost most of its meaning over the last you know 15 20 years or whatever but i certainly was you know a nerd uh, uh, early on in my life and and you know these it days hurt. with with start with star wars being like the most popular thing for everybody on the entire planet it's kind of like what's a nerd now you know like i loved i loved i was playing star wars tabletop role-playing games in, in middle school and high school so <laughs> that was nerd you know that was when you had to like you had to bleed for your star wars fandom back then so wow. these days it's just the most popular thing on the planet you know marvel star comics who, who, who knew marvel comics would be like you know the biggest movies ever right like when we were that's kids. a good point no not at all i mean in the 90s <laughs> exactly. people didn't talk about marvel much yeah. i mean spider-man I, love, I, I liked iron man before he was cool let's put it that way <laughs> well the only thing that, yeah the only thing that was big about the uh marvel in the 90s was the avengers video game that was a sweet game oh, yeah yeah that was like one of the arcade, iron man one was the four player that. That was, one like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. my only exposure to that there was Heck, the yeah. uh console version too with the uh, avengers <laughs> i enjoyed that thoroughly there's a lot of nice. jokes about how those guys talked because it was all digitized in 16 bit. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> so bad, yeah. but it's funny still. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the Marvel slash Star Wars nerdcast. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, so I wonder though, since 
you do mm-hmm. love numbers. Mm-hmm. Is there a gut? Is there an instinct that you sometimes use when you're drafting? Do you mm-hmm. ever deviate from your projections? Or are you just sticking to it like Quentin Tarantino asked his <laughs> actors to say every word that's on the script? Yeah. So you definitely, I've never, so before I made my own projections, I would use other people's projections, <clears throat> you know, and it would definitely be like, whether it was like Picota or it was like whatever, you know, obviously I was always going off somebody's numbers, but I would never stick strictly to it because if nothing else, you know, at any given moment, you have to decide whether you're going to take sort of the best available player or you can try to fill a roster need. So at the very least you have roster construction to consider. Um, and then addition there's, and, and this is something that, that, I sort of am guilty of when it comes to um, TGFBI, which we're not in the same league, but I'm in a, a league in that as well. And um, you know, I drafted it like the back end of the of the round, and so I, I would I would make a pick, and then like four picks later, I'd have another, and then I had to wait, you know, twenty whatever it was till till my next pick. So I had I couldn't get cute with ADP. You know, if I looked at somebody I wanted, and it was like, well, he's you know, on average, he's being drafted two rounds from now. That doesn't help me. Like I have to. I have to go get him now, you know what I mean? Like, because he, maybe he won't stick around. And so it might look like a big reach. So I think there's always some gut, you know, that goes into it. But I also would never dream of like entering a draft that for a league I cared about without some kind of list, some kind of like, you know, <laughs> some kind of ranking that, that tells me like, generally speaking, you know, these are the guys in this order that I want, sort of, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't think anybody would do that anymore. Well, maybe there's some yeah. amateurs, some real amateurs out there, but even uh, even people who are part-time players, they got their ranking set up. I mean, even Yahoo, which is not the best site, but uh, it's been a part of my life for a long time. You could pre-draft players, pre-rank players for many years. Right. So you'd have to be a fool to not have some type of guide, but I just know – I guess my this podcast is starting to develop a vibe of hey we love numbers and we we'll talk about numbers but mm-hmm. we don't we don't want to get rid of the instincts and the gut and the situational moments that drafting and uh, picking up players and fob moments they need that so I, I think it's important to have experiential understanding applied to your team creation and I, I think that matters and I don't know if there's a number for that right now in terms of like a quat for that, but I, you know, I believe in that. So if, if, and that's, you know, Mike, if that's, you know, your focus on it and that your whatever that your takeaway, that's great. I mean, for me to paraphrase Nick Hornby, like my guts have shit for brains, so I don't trust my guts <laughs> to do stuff. Like give me the numbers, give me some, some concrete idea, concrete reason why I should think a guy is going to do something. Obviously nobody thinks any of these projections are, are telling the future, right? It's there, there, nobody gets it right. That's not the point. Right. The idea is that given a set of, of data, which is the same data we all work with, this is just past history, you know, what's happened in the past. Can we get any idea what to expect? Not necessarily even out of a player, but, but out of player a versus player B, you know, it's, it's not really so much like, I don't really care what I think Jose Altuve is going to do. I think I want, I want to know what's he going to do in comparison with the next best second baseman or with the 12th or 15th best second baseman, right? Like how much better is a player than the last guy I want to roster at that position, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not looking, you know, nobody's looking to try and tell the future and, and none of us, you know, I think that that's a pretty common sort of uh, argument against the, the the quantitative thinkers of, of of baseball world where it's like well you you know your guys said oh man you said you'd get 75 rbis you only got 70 <laughs> it's like yeah good 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 for you now you know you i've heard people say oh somebody's gonna be so good this year he's gonna hit 60 home runs like okay yeah that could happen nobody's saying it can't but like 
you're going to stand on that. Like that's the hill you're going to die on is that Stan's going to come back and, you know, rage and hit 60 home runs. Like, all right, good for you, I guess. But everybody wants to be right, Steve. <laughs> well, yeah. Then be better than that. Like, cause that's going to make it real hard for you to be right. <laughs> if you're just picking numbers out of your ass, like that's not, you know, Oh, I, I agree. I, I don't <laughs> use just my instinct. Like I said, I love numbers and I yeah. have, I use you start my from own somewhere. set. You do. Yeah. 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 And I never just, it's not all fly by my seat in my pants <laughs> at all, but I do once in a while. It's like you said, if it's a matter of having somebody as a matter of need or the best player available, mm-hmm. even though you're looking at your rankings and the numbers, you are going to make a selection yeah. that combines the part of your brain that knows how baseball's played, what's yeah. going on with the season, who's injured, who's not. There's all these other things that are just calculated like, you know, infinitesimally so quickly yeah. in your brain that you know you're doing the right thing as far as you can tell. And I'm not saying it's universally correct at all. I make so many mistakes and I would never rely. I love that you use the high fidelity quote. That's great. I love high fidelity. (laughs) It's a great uh, Great book. Yeah. Oh man. I never read the book. I've seen the movie like 80 times and I should have read the book, but (laughs) that sounds like me. I'm the guy who never reads the book. So I admit it. Yeah. I think that, you know, when I I like just like glancing at the, the numbers here that I have in front of me, it's like, like if I'm looking at like third baseman, you know, Jose Ramirez and Nolan Arenado, both, you know, top of the third base list. Alex Bregman is up there too. If you count, depends on if you think of him as a third base or shortstop this year. I mean, with Correa back, he'll play more third. But um, Jose Ramirez and Nolan Arenado, nobody's going to argue against you if that's your third baseman on your roster, right? Both those guys are fantastic. I have Ramirez worth $35.11 cents, $35. at like auction value, right? And Arenado at $34.37. What's the difference there? Like 50 cents, right? 60 yeah. cents, you know, and yeah, Ramirez will steal bags, but Arenado will hit more home runs, get more RBIs and has a better batting average. They'll get, both get the same number of runs. You know, so it's like at some point you have to, you can't just be a slave to it. You know, if I've already, for instance, if I'm in a position to draft one of those two guys and somehow I already have, I don't know, Ronald Acuna, right? Who's going to steal bases for me? Well, then maybe it's like, no, let's lean more towards Arenado. Let's get the average and the home runs and the RBIs and worry a little less about the steals because, you know, got that. But if my first pick was, I mean, this is just random, but, you know, Juan Soto, who has got the average, he's going to hit for power, but he's not stealing you many bases, maybe a couple, but you know, he's a young guy. He maybe could. Maybe 10, but maybe, but. Maybe 10. Yeah, I've got him, you know, projecting to nine. Okay, but Ramirez to 24. The two of them together make a hell of a package. Whereas if you went Arenado and Soto, sure, you're hitting for a bunch of power, but you're going to have to start making up. You're going to have to find guys you wouldn't otherwise want just to get steals at the end of the draft. Right. So particularly in Roto. Yeah. Well, so that's, and that is my focus, like for sure is Roto. And, 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 and I think even the head to heads that, I mean, I know what I've played more in the past that was head to head was basically a one week long two person Roto season. Right. Cause essentially you compare your RBIs to the other guys and your wins, to the other guy, you know, and like whichever one of you won the most, that was like your score was how many categories added, you know, was this to this. So really you were playing a little tiny Roto season. You just had to properly predict the week as best you could. And you only cared about one other guy. So it was either, it was binary. It's like win or loss, win or loss. 1.0, that's it. Roto, as we think of it more generally, is the same concept, but you go over the entire season. It really is all about roster construction and balance. And, you know, to me, it's just, to me personally, it requires more skill and it allows for less luck. Head to head allows for so much luck. And yes, luck's part of, it's part of baseball. It's part of every sport, totally not going to argue that, but the luck that is still going to bite your ass in Roto is like, you know, did you, did you draft Verlander in the first round? Cause I did. And you know, now he might be okay with the delay, but when he left that, that spring, spring training start early, I was like, Oh great. There went my first round pick in like a, 
industry draft of 15, you know, people and they we drafted for 30 rounds and that, you know, this is ridiculous. Like, so, but that's luck. And so I don't need more luck tacked on top of that just because the guy that I played against this week happened to have somebody, you know, go off for five homers and 14 RBIs in a single week or something crazy. Right. So, um, yeah, there's road over the head, head argument, but like, yeah. So basically, you know, roster construction is such a huge part of any draft in any system, just going straight down a list. You're going to find yourself with some holes, whether they're literally holes in positions where it's like, you get to the end, it's like, Oh crap, I forgot to get a second baseman, you know, like, yeah. Oh, oh at the end of a draft now, I forgot a second baseman. Well, good thing. Wilmer Flores is still available. Like, you know what I mean? Is that really who you want to like run into the season with? No, not really. <laughs> Undervalued. I might say, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm kidding. Random, randomly. I mean, great flyer on your bench, not necessarily sure. the guy you want you know, being the first out the door. So I'll take a pick 37 in the Ram <laughs> slam. That's fine. But Wilmer Flores. Yeah. Why no. not? <laughs> like <whoa. laughs> 37th round. Excuse me. 37th oh. round. Yeah, sorry. oh, I see. My Your fault. 37th yeah. pick, not the 37th pick. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Whew, that would be difference. Yeah. Yeah. I should be removed from the Ram slam. If that happened, <laughs> I admit that freely. So I wonder then, okay. So you don't love head to head. You've been mm-hmm. preaching on something that has been an, building inside of me for many years <laughs> hmm. that my instincts are telling me that I hate head to head and I don't like it because <laughs> of the exact reasons that you just specified yeah. dumb shit happens during yeah. a week yeah and there's days off oh a guy didn't play uh, a start mm-hmm. gets moved out you had a two-star pitcher now it's gone and it all mm-hmm. depends on that week and that stuff bothers me and I know that it's I know I want less luck in my life when it comes yeah. to fantasy but I've in a home league and I've known guys I've been playing with for a very long time. Yeah. They loved head to head. Cause they want that. Like it goes kind of to like the gambling aspect and the competition aspect. It's like, Oh, we're going head to head this week, dude. Let's get at it. You know, it, it's, you know, I used to have the trash talk thing on Yahoo. Hey, talk right. trash this week, you know, it's just, it's, the, it's a fantasy football mentality. And I think so many of us, right. We start by playing fantasy football. It's a far more popular game than fantasy baseball, even though fantasy baseball is the original fantasy sport. Millions more people in this country play fantasy football. And that, a because of the nature of like the short season where there's only 16 game well there'll be 17 games now if the season ever starts um but you know there's so few games and you you have this already week to week thing where sure it's thursday to monday but it is sort of a you know a, a constricted you know sort of uh time frame makes perfect sense i don't think anyone would suggest doing something like roto for fancy football you know what i mean like oh who can get the most passing touchdowns in a season like who cares like give me the week to week you know but then you take that mentality into baseball and that's fine and certainly it's a style of play lots of people like and i'm not hating on people this is not for me um but i do think that it stems from sort of this default position that we have when we think about fantasy sports because of fantasy football and again that's not something wrong with it but i do think that the nature of the 162 game season, the long season of baseball, the daily nature of baseball, it's not a week to week thing. Think about it, right? We, you know, yeah, you usually have like, what, like a Monday through Wednesday, and then a Friday through Sunday series, or maybe it's, you have Monday off, you have like Tuesday through Thursday, you know, whatever, there's like little, but you're going to play at least two different teams in a week, a real baseball team does, right? At least two, maybe three, if there's a two game set thrown in there for some reason, or, you know, whatever it is. And so the idea of this, like one against one, setup it just doesn't really fit baseball it doesn't really make as much sense i think that the the season-long roster construction and, and whether it's fob or waiver wire whatever you do you know for for sort of in-season roster construction and of course trades and all that other stuff that's the skill in it to me 
And so, and I, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think, you know, that's why the, the kind of standard high stakes, high level fantasy baseball is rotisserie. It's not head to head. It's um, not pure chance. Right. I mean, you'd hope not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not luck. That's for sure. Yeah. But there's always luck. Again, there's always luck, man. Guys get hurt. You know, people are just dead wrong about, about players. Guys break out. No one saw guys collapse who no one thought would. There's still yeah. luck. And, and you'll you know, never remove you, it completely no and where you get slotted in the draft you know what i mean like picking first versus picking 15th is a massive massive difference and and you know you could say well having two of the top 16 players is better than having the first and the 20 and the 30th yeah but, you know when you have that first pick unless your guy gets hurt you, you know you we're pretty good at figuring out who the top five players are in a, in a year pretty good not necessarily within that top five. Do we know, you know, is, is, is Trout going to outperform Yelich going to, you know, who knows for sure. But if you have like one of the top three to five picks, like, you know, you're getting a stud. And so barring injury, you know, you got somebody slotted in for every single day, or if it's a pitcher, if you go pitcher that early, you know, a couple times a week. So it's a comfort factor. That's why I absolutely. never trade Trout in my keeper league. I'm just like, <laughs> no. I don't want to get rid of this comfort he brings to me. Why would you I don't do mean that? You, you don't want to trade away the greatest center fielder who's ever played the game of baseball. Wow, there it is. I don't think that's a controversial statement. Joe DiMaggio would have something to say about that. I'm sure he would, if he were (laughs) alive. Well, he's Mr. Coffee now, and he has passed on. (laughs) We'll miss you, Mr. Coffee. I I guess you just – you pop something in my head there. Do you think that having the first pick is an advantage as opposed to having a 16th pick in a Roto League, or do you think it depends on, again, your information? I I think that there is an advantage to being in, I would say, not necessarily first, but in the top – four to five, I think is an advantage. My personal, after thing after that though, it really gets down to strategy, um, personal preference, how you like to approach a draft. So if I can't get like one of the top four to five slots, I would vastly prefer 13, 14, or 15, something at the back end, because I'd still rather have the opportunity to kind of construct my roster two players at a time, even if not literally. And if you have the 15th pick in a 15 round you know, or 15 team league, you literally get to pick two in a row. If you got the first, you literally pick two in a row. But if you're near the end there, like I said, in TGFBI, I picked um, 13th. And, and so I, I would pick and then four guys would go and then I get to pick again. So I pretty much was able to figure out, well, if I've got a handful of players on, that I, that I want to pair up, you know, I, I felt pretty good about, well, if I, you know, this guy's more likely to go first. And then, you know, looking at the rosters of the other two teams, who are they likely to to be picking up to build, to build around at this point, you know, and trying to figure that out. Um, to me, that's much better than being seventh and sort of, yes, you're kind of always, you know, you're never waiting too long. You just kind of ripped on me right now because oh, well, I had the eighth <laughs> pick in TGFBI. <laughs> it's still personal preference, but I feel like the downside of that is that, or the upside is you don't wait too long, right? You know, you're less likely to get the tail end of a run. Okay. If somebody puts a run on closers or run on catchers or whatever, you're less likely to get caught at the end of it and have to settle for scraps because you're in the middle. You'll be able to sort of play that. The downside is that, you know, you're always evenly kind of waiting. So, you know, you've always got 15 or 16 or 14, whatever kind of picks to go. And for me, there's a psychological element to that of of not wanting to like wait like that. Like I'd rather pick a couple and then wait longer, but that's a total personal preference thing. So, but I do think there's an advantage to like the top four to five. There has to be. In Raz Slam, I got the pick first overall. So, um, and I felt, I feel better about that team than I, felt about my tgfbi team so <laughs> and Raz slam is a points league for those of you who don't know and best ball so it's actually, and, yeah, best points ball. and best ball yeah so. so did you go trout then no brain i went, went yelich that's I what i Yelich. thought I, I had i had trout and yelich as very very closely 
you know, marked at the time uh, in my in my projections. Um, actually, the value, the number of Raslam points I had them scoring based on scoring system were actually exactly even. Um, and the reason I went with Yelich is just I felt like Trout has had a little tiny bit more injury risk in the last few years, although obviously Yelich has not been without injury. Um, and then Yelich's performance is a little more um, spread across sort of skills you know speed doesn't slump the way power can so i felt like yelich with a few stolen bases and a few more runs and a little better batting average and then not as many home runs and rbis probably as trout will get that that would be like a smoother sale through the season and that's a total you know anybody who tells me steve you're wrong about that yeah you're fine you're probably right you know what i mean like anybody who <laughs> took trout yelich or acuna at that pick is i yeah. couldn't possibly argue with it so but i went yelich and you know plus as an ace fan if i don't have to root for angels i don't <laughs> Ooh, you know i played baseball excuse me i played fantasy baseball why do i keep saying that i got baseball fever man i'm going crazy i played fantasy baseball for a good 20 plus years now not that i'm special but i'm just giving you a background to this question best ball something i'd never heard of until a few months ago i was not ah. familiar with it so do you think briefly you could just tell people what best ball is because i think there's a lot of people who play it who don't know what it is Mm -hmm. yeah so best ball again i think this is something that originated in football i, I saw it in fantasy football before i heard about it in fantasy baseball um, but the idea about best ball is that um you know you have a roster that's got a pretty deep bench so like whatever the the sort of starting lineup construction is you have a lot more players sitting on the bench because most best ball leagues have very limited or no trading allowed very limited or no player acquisition allowed and so um you're stuck with this drafted roster of players for the entire year or close to and every single week you don't have to put a guy in at catcher and a guy in at first and pick which starting pitchers are going to play that way it's whoever on that roster or your entire i mean i think wrestling's with 42 players so every, you know out of the entire 42 man roster who's the catcher that scored the most who's the first baseman that scored the most who's the second you know so forth and all the way down who are the nine pitchers that scored the most in the scoring system and for that week that I think Sunday through Saturday, maybe it's Monday through Sunday. I'm not sure how they're doing it, but whatever the break is for that week, those points count. They get added to your season total now because you know, it is weekly, but it's not head to head. It's not like that's a win or a loss. It's just, those are the numbers that get tacked on to your total. And so every week, you know, for what we're used to, like what a 26 week season or whatever it is, it just adds up like that. And so, you know, I felt like, for instance, I, I thought, well, that's a system that, you know, really favors starting pitching over relief pitching because they come in, they come in in spurts you know when a guy gets two starts in a week suddenly he has a very high chance of rostering in your top nine pitchers and potentially very highly assuming it's a decent player i'm not talking about rostering every team's fifth starter but you know tyler chatwood yeah sure you know i mean that's <laughs> that's know. the most random like borderline <laughs> fifth starter i could think of yeah, I mean, you know, Matt Andresi, like, you know, there's just, yeah, there's guys that... <laughs> Another angel, man. You really got it in for those angels. I actually, I actually have Andresi on, like, every one of my uh, score sheet teams, except for one, I think, because you oh, got Yeah, it. that's right. Yeah. You do. You, you said that you loved Andresi. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. In so that sometimes form, you yes. put your fandom aside. I, I'm impressed by Absolutely. that. I really No, I, and I generally do. And, and frankly, generally speaking, if I can get Mike Trout on a team, I'm not going to blink at it. I just sort of flipped a coin between him and Yelich. But, yeah, no, I mean, I... I don't love the Giants. I don't love the Angels. I don't love the Yankees. Anytime I can avoid players from those teams, you know, if, if there's a if there is a, an equal, you know, but opposite uh, <laughs> choice, you know, I'll go I'll go yeah. with that generally. Wait, so Makes you're Ace fans? Mm -hmm. So you can tell me, is it Ramon Loriano or Lor <laughs> Loraño? Loriano. 
Lori, it is Bo- Loriano. Loriano, yeah. My partner Lisa in crime Loriano. was correct. Okay, darn it. <laughs> yep. Because yeah. we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago on the pod, yeah. and I, 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 I was like, "No, it. it's Loreno." I remember hearing it, and, and, and I think I bristled physically oh. in the car when I heard you say it. I was like, mm, "That's not it, no." Detroit morons over here. <laughs> it's not an easy name. <laughs> no, it's not ideal, and uh, I haven't heard it. Like that's something about fantasy baseball. I get yeah. so caught up in reading and reading and reading online. I don't hear as many things. I admit it. I I need to watch more games. I, I've been caught. Mm-hmm so much in just looking at numbers all the time and seeing gifts without audio yeah. i don't know how to say some of these newer guys i really no. don't i admit it i'll be honest right there with you yeah no you until you hear them spoken it's kind of you just you just you do your best to guess you know and with the way the um, schedule set up we never get to you know the oh, i hate the way the schedule set up we never get to see the A's one time right. here that's it one series we'll see if you got mlb tv then you could watch the A's. i can't watch the A's on mlb tv but i can see, watch exactly Tigers, so <laughs> yeah so then you can't uh well i don't know who's strange who's got a goofy name? <laughs> eh, it doesn't matter because the tigers are a complete waste of time uh, at least this bummer. year bummer at least they're not the orioles oh i lived in baltimore the last two years i actually i'm i'm high on the orioles a lot of fun talent in that system but this is not an orioles podcast so let's get into some (laughs) specifics i asked you to come up with some of your five personal favorites now i asked you because some friends of mine who are in an Mm -hmm. obp league were like hey can you get them uh, to talk about head-to-head five by five obp and and you told me that you hate (laughs) head-to-head which we've already discussed a bit right but but I think that, that the, the format, the head-to-head thing, I, I won't necessarily have anything to comment on that would be specific to that format, the way the weekly scoring happens and everything. But, you know, just looking at sort of OBP leagues overall, you know, I definitely, you know, ha- have a few players to point out, I guess. Um, but I don't know, because I don't play a lot of head-to-head, I don't know if there is sort of a rule of thumb about what's better or what, what makes a player sort of more suited to that format, if anything. So, you know, this would be more just in an OBP league, you know, Here's some players that, uh, you know, would well, you do your best, for. Steve. Give us what you got. All right. So, yeah. So five guys that I think are just real solid for OBP leagues. Um, we've already kind of mentioned it before Aaron judge. Um, I think that, that, yeah, the current sort of health scenario in the country is actually going to help his injury situation. It gives him a little more time to rest. I think he'll play, he'll get closer, potentially breaking 600 plate appearances this year. Whereas a few weeks ago, I would have thought more like 520, 530, something in that range. So he, you know, I'm projecting into a 395 OBP, which is spectacular. Anything over 360 is wonderful. Um, you know, when you get up to close to 400, you're in rarefied air. So yeah, Aaron Judge definitely benefits from the OBP format. Somebody that's that why Adam Eaton's always undervalued to me because he right. always has like a 360 minimum OBP. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's something that you can really look for sort of down the, your list often. Um, somebody I love, hometown guy, I've got Matt Olson um, projecting to 42 home runs, leading in MLB, but also to a 368 on base. So the A's are always, um, always kind of known for prioritizing OBP for, for taking pitches when they need to. Um, somebody who I think is also overlooked, you know, you mentioned Eaton, sure. And, and and but this guy reese hoskins i think you know he's going over uh 180 p um so you know he should be easy to track down and and the reason is because his batting average is garbage and, and always has been and always will be but 26 yeah yeah his on base i'm projecting 379 and i think that's totally realistic so 116 system, walks last year Very yeah nice. exactly the guy knows how to take a pitch so he's a real three true outcomes kind of player um 
Yeah, so definitely Hoskins would be on the list. Um, somebody whose stock has dropped a ton lately is Carlos Correa. But at shortstop, being able to provide you 30 home runs, that's still pretty rare. I mean, shortstop is not shallow like it used to be. Obviously, the top, the top in a shortstop is fantastic, but still 30 home runs. Um, I have Correa ranked as the 36th best overall player in an OBP scenario, and his ADP is around 93. Wow. So um, that's certainly something you know, to take a look at if you're doing an OBP draft. I'm and not then, opposed to that. That's just pretty wild. That is impressive. <laughs> right. That's ballsy. I would not yeah. expect that. Huh. Yeah. So, and then last one I'll do for just kind of like guys to look for in general. This is somebody you can definitely find later in your drafts. David Dahl. Anybody that plays in Coors Field, you know, you're worth looking at him as a hitter. I've got him projected to a 361 OBP and 170 runs plus run plus RBI, which is sort of a shorthand I think of. Runs and RBI often – a good a good amount of them is the same for both you know you, you really want guys who break 90 anybody that breaks 70 is like pretty pretty nice for you so getting 170 combined runs and rbis is going to be something you're going to be able to find later in drafts doll is going i think possibly past 100 now but at least certainly past 80 in the adp department so and yeah that again that 361 obp and anybody that plays half their games and cores man they're worth a look always I really like your list. This is these are some guys <laughs> I could really get on board with. By the way, Dahl's still at 142 on average. Oh, there you go. According to Fantasy Pros ADP. So nice. tremendous yeah. value. Yeah, I got a guy who sure. loves him. He 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 cannot let David Gall go despite the injuries. <laughs> he's still only yeah. 25, 26. Yeah, so he's, he's not an old guy, that's for sure. No. And are you one of those guys that believes injury prone is not a thing? It's just, hey, it, guy has a bad run, or it all depends on the guy. So okay. It, and, and I think that with an outfielder, especially, it's all about how they play defense. I think when you look at a guy like um, Bryce Harper, a guy like Josh Reddick, the way they play the field, they injure themselves by the way they play because they're balls of the wall. They're running, you know, full steam into the fence, you know, whatever it is. Um, I don't watch a lot of <laughs> Colorado Rockies baseball, so I'm not sure if Dahl fits that mold. Or the if most he's just maddening team much. there is, trust me. <laughs> I think you might know that a little bit. I think everyone knows now. <laughs> But no, like it, it all depends on the injury. You know, it's like, it's like, like with a pitcher, you know, are you looking at like a lower leg injury, a throwing arm injury, an off arm injury? You know, it all depends on, on what it is. And, you know, just like with a guy, with a pitcher who keeps hurting his throwing elbow, I'm going to be a lot more concerned with an outfielder that keeps hurting himself, you know, breaking his wrist, running into the wall. Well, he's not going to learn not to do that. You don't learn how to play baseball at this level, right? You already know how. <laughs> and so he's not going to change. Why but I think so other funny? than that, so <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think, I just don't think in general, you know, I think that pitcher mechanics and defensive decision-making are the most repeatable sort of injury-prone factors. Um, other than that, it's a lot of bad luck, I think. So how about five guys with the ADP 200 or below that you believe in? Again, this the OBP yeah. slant. Well, so, and again, my ADP numbers may not be exactly, as I haven't used Fantasy Pros, I have a, a source that I use, but this is based on those, those numbers most recently. Deep First throat? one comes up, what's that? You said a source. I thought it was Deep oh, Throat. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's called Fantasy Baseball Nerd, but they, they, I think they amalgamate ADP info from lots of sources. So It actually reminds um, me of uh, LA Confidential. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah. I, it's been a while, but I did, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> magazine that uh, Danny DeVito worked for is called Hush Hush. Very oh, God. <laughs> Good movie. Um, all right. No, that was a good movie for sure. Uh, all right. So Brandon Nemo, uh, projecting Brandon Nemo to a 396 OBP. That puts him at 69th for me overall in OBP leagues. And I've got his ADP right now at 312. So the idea that you'd even have to try to draft him anywhere near the top 100 is not the case. You could get him super late. If you're looking at like a 12 team, 
league, which I think a lot of these sort of you know head to head leagues are twelve team. If his ODP, ADP is is over three hundred, then you know I can't even do the math. How, it's, it's like in the twenties. You know what I mean? Your your draft <laughs> round at that point is super high. So just yeah. get him at some point because you know even though he's not going to give you like a full, he's not a necessarily an everyday starter necessarily for the whole season and pulling down you know six hundred PA. Still, that that OBB is ridiculous, and uh, and that team needs him. So, yeah, he's gonna. Even, you're not worried about the crowded outfield in New York. I mean, I guess you could. No, I am. It's not that's that you dismiss the crowded outfield, but no, I'm saying he's not going to get you 600 PA. Like that's the thing is, it's not going to be full time. But when he's playing, he's going to get on base. So being able to get him in the 20th something round is is value, super 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 value. I think. I guess what I meant to say was because. I got to be, I'm going to be totally frank audience. Um, work was just texting me. So I ran over to grab my phone <laughs> while Steve was talking. That's not good hosting skills. I want to just be frank about that. But what about the fact that some of these guys won't pan out anyways? I mean, you had Conforto getting hurt, which may not matter now. Cespedes, right. forget about it. Cespedes is broken down. I'm not buying it. So I actually think that Mr. Nimmo, I like to call him Nimmo, but yeah, is it Nemo? I don't know. <laughs> I think I don't Nimmo. I think Nimmo is a guy who can give you a full season's work because they loved him when he was healthy two years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no I Juan Lagares or any guy to take his plate time away from him. Yeah, when I look back right now at current my current projections, I do actually I'm projecting 584 plate appearances. So that's a full oh. season from the back of the lineup, based from from the, the the back of the batting order. So I love it. I don't know if they're going to put him up front or not, but 584 is. You know, that's that's a sixth hitter gets five hundred eighty four or something like that. So yeah. But yeah, three ninety six OBP, you know, I've got him projecting to eighteen runs, or excuse me, eighty two runs, eighteen home runs, a couple of stolen bases, not not really that many, but I can only know. assume people think it's a fluke that he because he hasn't have a long track record, but he was right. he's young. He was an up and coming player. I yeah. I don't know. It's kind of baffling to me. Well, young players are hard to hard to examine you know i mean you, you does a guy own a skill because i showed it to you he showed it to you once or or you know is that something you need to see a couple times so um anyway we're going back to 80 people below 200 uh barely below 200 i've got him at 233 um but ranked 109th for me is uh miami third baseman slash outfielder brian anderson um projecting to a 365 obp and like we said before anything over 360 is going to do good for you um 154 runs plus rbi so again somebody's going to produce in numerous you know multiple categories and i've got him ranked you know more than 100 spots ahead of his adp so also somebody I would look for. Uh, Luke Voigt, um, who again oh, yeah. is not somebody that's going to get you a ton of plate appearances. I've got him projected to 452, which is not Ooh. bad, but it's not great. It's more than half a season. But in that time, I think you can get 20 home runs and 140 runs plus RBIs just in 452 PA at a 367 OPP. So if I he like gets Voigt. more playing time, if he got 600 PA, he would be a 35 home run hitter. He'd be getting you 100 RBIs. You know what I mean? So yep. if you can grab him that late in drafts and then just cross your fingers, because even you know if he's playing, he's still going to get you that on base percentage. It's a guy who gets on base. Um, here's one. How about somebody past the 400th pick at ADP? Whoa! Yeah. G-Man Choi. I think he's going to get about 437 plate appearances and will hit 24 home runs in that time while getting on base at a 366 clip. I've got him ranked at the 159th best player. So obviously not looking to be the best in the world, but again, 437 PA, if he can get more than that, great. If he can't, you still got somebody who could hit you 24 home runs in that amount of time. And you picked him in the last round. Like there's an, at an ADP of 407, you don't need to reach at all. Yeah. I got to say that three of these guys, well, besides Anderson, these guys are all in situations where they're, 
rosters are changing. There's mm-hmm. so much depth now. People, it seems like the smart guys who know what they're doing in the front offices are, hey, we don't care how many players we got. We'll keep trading. We'll keep bringing in talent because we don't want injuries to derail our season. And mm-hmm. all, Choi, Voigt, and Nimmo, that's a, mm-hmm. all three of those guys are in situations where they could have full seasons of wonderful production, but they might sure. not. You're right. It's it's all risk, but again, it's 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 the risk reward, you know, thing. If you again, if you can get Anderson at two hundred, if you can get Nemo at three hundred, if you can get Choi at four hundred, you know, like these are guys who are going to produce something. And then if you get lucky, they get more playing time, and you get a fantastic player that you know should have been gone in the first five or six rounds, and you got all the way at the end of your draft. So. And then I got one more here for you. And this is interesting, I thought. So catcher is a funny position in, in fantasy. I've always thought it, it is. And I think there's a reason why two catcher is actually a fairly popular roto um, thing. It's because otherwise we would probably ignore catchers altogether. Um, most of them don't get you more than 400 to 450 plate appearances in the season. Catchers get tons of days off. You know, pitchers have their favorite catcher. Every MLB team's got at least two catchers on their roster with maybe the exception of like the Twins. Oh no, the Twins are like three. Like I don't even know. The White Sox really are going to run with Grandal a lot, right? And and the Phillies will run with Real Muto most of the time. But almost everybody else has got like two guys that are splitting the time. So I only have two catchers, and that includes the big guys, includes Sanchez and Real Muto and everybody else. I've only got two of them who I think are going to have um, – I think I've got this. Yeah, two with the OBP over 360. I wrote 260 now, but it's 360. Um, Omar Narvaez, and the other one is Chance Cisco. And Narve, Narvaez, again, I'm probably saying it wrong. But, <laughs> but Nar- right. Narvaez, uh, he's going to get more playing time. He's just in a situation where he is going to be the guy um, – that is going to get more time in his scenario um, than Cisco will in his. So I, I, I've got Narvaez at 378 plate appearances at a 365 um, OBP, and I've got Cisco getting 230 at a 365. So yeah, Pedro exactly, for him. exactly. So and and you know Cisco, I still think they're kind of hoping he's. The problem is, I think they would like him to be the guy of the future, but then they went out and they got Rochman last year in the draft. So yeah. You know, I, I don't. Well, maybe know that, that was the enforced it. They're like, "Hey, this guy's too good. We yeah. can't pass up Rauschman." But well, I mean, I'm sure there's some Cisco. of that for sure. But and maybe not everybody sticks everywhere. But if Cisco, Cisco again, I'm, I'm projecting a 365 OBP. So these are the two catchers, the only two that I think will get that high in OBP. And I think Narvaez gets you know well over 100 more um, plate appearances than Cisco. So somebody to look for late. And you know, and he's not going anytime. Again, you don't have to reach if you want to get Narvaez. I think he's going past 250. So. I'll tell you this, TGFBI. Okay, so we wanted to talk a little bit about TGFBI format, which is the two-catcher sure. 15-team 5 by 5 Roto, right. okay? So it's average and not OBP, right. This is back to average, thank you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. looking in this format, how or who mm-hmm. is someone that is tantalizing to you? Who are some guys you're like, hey, you know, if I'm in a Roto league and it's average, it's 5 by 5 classic standard issue – who are guys that you like, and what are your thoughts on the overall format? Because I know you love it. I guess you've kind mm-hmm. of explained that already. But uh, <laughs> I, I, the floor is yours, Steve. Let's hear it. Yeah, I, I think it's challenging. I think that, that you know, average, I would prefer it was OBP, just, just on a personal preference thing. But average is sort of the, the classic, the traditional sort of way to do it. You know, yeah. the, the, the classic five-by-five five stats, runs, RBIs, home runs, stolen bases, average, wins, saves, strikeouts, whip, and ERA. And you could certainly make the argument against wins and plenty of people do. You can make the argument against average and plenty of people do. But other than that, it's a pretty good way to judge overall performance of these players. Um, 
adding two catchers, adding the corner infielder, the middle infielder, five outfielders, you know, it just, it adds more drafting strategy. Again, the roster construction becomes more a part of what you're doing. Um, you know, having nine pitchers and not actually requiring relief pitchers and starting pitchers means, do you go for saves? Do you not? Do you just, you know, do you, I often punt the save category altogether because I think it's just so volatile you know, and who's going to get saves and save opportunities can change so quickly. Can you still um, often, win doing that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can absolutely win punting a, a category, but you have to get zero in that category. You have to make sure that you have optimized every other category. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't then late in the draft go and get Wade Davis hoping to get you 10 <laughs> saves. Like, it doesn't oh, man, work. I literally gotta, did that. <laughs> no, no, no. You got you to gotta go all in. You got to say, no, every, if you're punting saves specifically, then you are focusing on getting starting pitching, and you're focusing your relievers on guys who are either getting a ton of strikeouts per inning pitched or fantastic rate stats, great ERA, great whip, and you're just trying to load them up that way. You're getting your, your Nick Andersons or your Aroldis Chapmans or whoever, right? Yeah. Uh, well, of course, those guys would probably get saves. But, you know, bad example. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Colin well, I didn't punt saves, you know. but I did take Wade Davis. <laughs> I went for the, like, hey, I'll take some flyers late and then try to build through the wire. That's fine, too. And, and, but the point is, is that once you pick a strategy, you got to stick to it. The, the problem oh, people yeah. run into is they decide all oh, punt stolen bases or saves. I think are the two most common things to punt because they're sort of the rarest to find. Um, all punt stolen bases. And then, you know, late they're drafting Malik Smith. It's like, well, now, what do you think Malik Smith is doing for you besides getting you 25 stolen bases? Like, what, what you know, he's going to hit 255. Right. He's going he's gonna to get you, you know, okay, maybe runs. He's not going to hit RBIs. He's not going to hit for average. So not on that team either. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so a handful. So yeah, we're looking at the, the, the sort of two catcher, 15 team, five by five, comparing it to what we just talked about. So obviously in that system, catchers get a huge bump. You got to get two on every team. You got 15 teams league. That means that there are 30 catchers that are going to be on starting rosters. Okay. When you look at the 15, you know, the, the, the sort of last viable rosterable catcher in a, again, more standard, the TGFBI, or excuse me, no, the, the OBP, uh, uh, you know, one catcher slot system. Mm -hmm. The last guy is like Mitch Garver, Francisco Mejia, Robinson Chirinos, something in that world. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's yeah. that kind of guy. Based on preference, but basically that. Of course, yeah. but I mean, but that, that category of player, right? These are guys who are, you know, gonna, I mean, Garver isn't going to get as many plate appearances as, as last year. Um, but, you know, yeah, we'll just, you know, I mean, obviously there's always question marks with catchers, but those are the guys you're talking about. You're not right. talking about bottom of the barrel guys. When you go to a two catcher system, now the last rosterable catcher is Josh Fegley, Chris <laughs> Iannetta, Christian Vasquez, maybe Jan Gomes. Like you don't want that guy. So the, the, the value and the ranking for the top end catchers goes way up. So I've got both in, in a two catcher sort of TGFBI system. I've got both JT Realmuto and Gary Sanchez as top 25 overall players. And neither of them are going anywhere near that in ADP, like not remotely. But Real Muto is the only catcher that's going to get you like, well, okay, one of maybe two or three catchers is going to get you 500 play appearances. Sanchez is another, Yadier Molina, maybe Buster Posey. That's about Contreras? it. Um, do I have, I have Contreras at 468. So yeah, he's okay. in that category, maybe not quite there, but yeah. So, but I'm not as confident, you know, um, Tucker Barnhart maybe gets up to 500, but probably not. Um, but, you know, so when if you can get your hands on a guy like Real Mudo, Real Mudo or Sanchez, I feel like you have to go for it in that system because 
you know, you're filling out something that's going to keep you from dragging your, your draft across the bottom of the barrel later on, just to fill in your starting lineup. That's not even talking about backups. It's not even talking about, you know, you're, you're, you know, taking a flyer on, on, you know, Williams Ostadio just because uh, somebody's got to fill in, you know, well, look at that. Austin Hedges is available. Like, okay. You know, like fine, but like, you know, yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to draft Martin Maldonado, you don't want him to be in your starting lineup. That's kind of what I'm saying. Um, Anyway, so yeah, so catchers bumped up. Um, in a system like this, if you're talking about average, I want Christian Yelich. If you're talking about OBP, I want Mike Trout. If we're talking about the very top of, of the system, I think, you know, and I don't think this is, again, controversial. Yelich is going to hit for a slightly better average than Trout. Not a huge difference. You're 290 to your 305, right? I mean, it's not a huge difference. OBP, you know, Yelich with 395, Trout 415. I mean, it's, again, it's not huge differences, but I like Trout a little better than OBP. Wait, I want to say one thing before you go to the next one. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I want to let people know how much of a laugh I got out of this name uh, related to Whit Mirrorfield. So go ahead, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So, so I was looking at the system because, uh, so people don't necessarily know, but Mike asked me to look at, you know, the differences between these systems and some guys that because of the format go up and some guys because of the format go down. So what I noticed is that Max Muncy, you know, two second base is super shallow. It's like the most shallow, you know, not counting catchers because, oh my God, of course, catchers are shallow. But because shortstop is now so deep, second base is like by far the most shallow position. Muncie gets a super bump up in, in uh, OBP. So in these average systems, like, like we're talking about, like TJFBA, he drops back down. I've got him as the fourth best uh, uh, second baseman, 80th overall in OBP, seventh best, 116th overall when it's average. Whit Merrifield is the bizarro Muncie. So he is... <laughs> Seventh at second base, 112th overall in OBP. Fourth at second base, 75th overall in average. So, knowing your sec, knowing your middling second baseman is important. If you are drafting in an average league, you want Merrifield, and if you're drafting in an OBP league, you want Muncie. Now, know your middling second baseman. Realistically, you know you want Altuve is who you want. You you don't want necessarily Merrifield or 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 you know. Or, or, or Muncie, you, you want, you want Oscar, Ozzy Albies, or, you know, yeah, you want, <laughs> you don't want a second baseman. If you can, ha if you can help it, just don't draft a second baseman. Like, Kel Marte? <laughs> um, yeah, Kel Marte is certainly, you know, up there. I don't have him as high as he's going in ADP, but, you know, a guy will hit close to 300, so that's never something to sniff at. You know, a handful of the guys that I like at the position that maybe aren't getting drafted as highly as they could. I like Starlin Castro. I like Jerks and Profar. I like Ruben Adore. Um, not Again, not fantastic. These are not guys are going to win a season for you, but you have to play a second baseman. And some of these systems, you either need utility, which hopefully you're not playing a second baseman at utility. God bless you. Um, but, you know, maybe another middle infielder and you couldn't get your hands on a better shortstop or something. So if you need more than one, you know, Jeff McNeil is not as good a look as he – everybody loves him and DJ LeMahieu. I'd rather have Jose Peraza. So, you know. Really? Yeah, I think so. Again, wow. you know, we're, we're tossing names around, but I know. Depending, but again, still, depending on the scoring system, yeah, I, I probably would. I think, you know, Peraza now with Betts gone is in a very interesting position in Boston. He's probably going to hit leadoff. Verdugo could, but he, it might be Peraza. And so the runs numbers could go way up from where they've been. So is that what I mean? I know we didn't want to have a Jose Peraza podcast here, <laughs> but is, do you like it for the steals too? Because he's going to get playing time or. Is it just the um, yeah, runs I mean, I, and the opportunity? You know, I think he's a potential 20 steals guy unless he, unless his, 
it's one of those things where this guy, so much of what I do is, is backwards looking and looking at what guys have done in the past that I have to go off just the situation they've been in. And while he didn't change team, well, no, he did change teams with Cincinnati. Um, you know, he's in a new ballpark. I mean, he was traded, but like, you know, the point is that really his situation has materially changed in a way that is really kind of hard to factor in. How does Jose Peraza's game change without a guy like Mookie Betts potentially hitting well in front of him, opening up a slot for him higher in the lineup? You know, how do the Red Sox change the way they do things? Do they? I mean, you know, there's all kinds of open questions, but yeah. I think just based off of his, his history, you know, I like Peraza and I like him to get playing time. And so. Well, well people love Jeff McNeil though. That's the thing. Yeah. So yeah, you're, they do. but do you think he's overvalued then? Is that what you're saying? Or is it just yeah, a little on bit. the situation? I, again, I think, I think McNeil, I'm not projecting to more than 500 PA. And wow. so I think that, yeah. So I think that, you know, that's, that could change. Obviously everything can change, but you know, he'll hit 300 and, and, and definitely you know, he'll, he'll steal some bags, not a ton, but he'll steal a few. But he also helps uh, you in OBP leagues because of his good average and a decent walk rate. I mean, it's not great, but it's good enough where you can get a minimum, you know, 360 OBP with him. Yeah. If you're, if you're, yes. That's absolutely I know true. we're not if talking about OBP a, again, but I'm just <laughs> thinking about that too. But. No, his rate stats are great. His his sort of raw counting stats are fine. They're nothing spectacular. You're not getting, yeah. you know, a ton of the runs, the RBIs, the home runs, the only bases out of him. If you're just looking for somebody to buoy your OBP or your average, and again, at a shallow position. So it's 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 yes. hard to sort of hate on any of these guys. But, you know, and, and, and again, something to consider. My values and, and sort of rankings do not take – roster position roster uh, construction into account other than to say i know these many are going to get drafted for starting roster slots but, oh okay but so but there are there are plenty of places where like a second baseman you know might be getting drafted higher just because everybody's worried sort of like i was talking about with catcher people are worried about not getting a second base when they actually want and that's not necessarily going to be reflected you know when you compare ranking to uh, to adp all right what about uh, charlie blackman steve yeah, so I know you guys are huge Blackman fans on the, uh, on the Palazzo pod here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I just think that generally Blackman, you know, yeah, he's not the guy he was. He's not going to steal you bases per se, certainly not to the clip he used to. Uh, I was just wanted to point out that I do think that in a, in a format that takes average over OVP, he bumps up because his 270 average, while nothing spectacular, is better in comparison to other averages than his 330 OBP will be uh, to other OBPs. So I think that, That's you know, That's a he, really good point. Yeah, he sort of, he can hurt you more in OBP, I guess, than he can in average. Um, he, he sits just about the league, sort of league average for fantasy players in average, but below that um, for OBP. So this is something I wanted to point out since I know this is the, uh, the, the hey, it's Charlie Blackman baseball <laughs> podcast. It certainly is. Hey, Charlie Blackman, <laughs> if you ever want to come on the show, hit us up at Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. That's two L's two z's <laughs> all right so um, yeah <laughs> i just I, I think you make a really good point that i hadn't considered which i love to learn obp versus average relative to situations right 270 average doesn't look great you're right but then it's not bad because right. the 331 obp you could find oh, all over the place anywhere That's yeah a good point. I, you, you got to look at not just at like who do i want because they're going to do well in categories especially with the rate stats your era your whip you know, your average and OBP, whatever it is, you want to look at guys who aren't going to kill you, you know, I mean, because, because, you know, the, the one time you roster a five ERA pitcher, dude, he's dragging, I mean, if that guy's getting 120 innings at a five ERA, he's dragging your whole team down. Whereas if you had gotten, you know, two players that each got 60 innings, but got a three and a half ERA during those 60, that's not even that good for a reliever. 
but you're so much better off than that crappy five ERA pitcher. So if you can find a guy, I mean, Blackman's still going to hit home runs. You know, he's going to get 25, 30 home runs. So if you can get that without murdering your average by getting 270 out of him instead of 245 out of Reese Hoskins, like, you know, do it. You know what I mean? Like, get him. He's, he's going to help you out in other places. Just don't let him hurt you. And the 331 OBP is going to going to sting. So what about then in the TGFBI two-catcher Roto 5x5 format? What are some guys mm-hmm. or what do you look at in the format where you're like, ah, maybe not ideal for that type of Roto situation? Right. So guys that, that, that drop down a little. So like I mentioned uh, in the previous sort of guys I like in OBP, Aaron Judge. It's not that he's terrible. He just, in my opinion, goes from a legit, like for sure first round hitter with a 395 OBP to like a second rounder, maybe even late second rounder because his average will be more like 280. And nobody's going to worry about 280, especially because you're going to get runs and RBIs and home runs out of that guy by the fistful. But, you know, so 280 is certainly not going to hurt you, but it's not like an advantage. Having a 395 OBP out of him is a huge advantage. Having a 280, 285 average out of him just doesn't hurt you. It's fine. It's, it's, it's better than average, but it's not great. So he, he just sort of loses a little value. It's sort of the, the difference between what makes a first round pick and what doesn't. Um, and I think that on that topic of, of sort of OBP versus average, basically um, first baseman in general, like they, I have found that they often suffer in on base. Like these are guys that, that I don't even know if this is necessarily true across the first base. It's probably not fair to first baseman. There are several out there who, who, you know, will, sorry, I've, I've written this down wrong. They do better in OBP and suffer in average. That's what I thought. Like, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm looking at this wrong. What's um, happening? <laughs> right. Three true outcomes, guys. First basemen are often three true outcomes, guys. And what are the three true outcomes? A walk, strikeout, and a home run. Because they're the only Last things that, right, the only things that involve just the hitter and just the pitcher and nobody else. The catcher, sort of, but not really. Um, so, you know, these first basemen who are hitting bombs and walking, they're great for OBP, but they strike out a ton. And so their average is going to suffer. So we talked about like Hoskins, guys like Joey Votto. These are guys who they've always done better in OBP than average. Um, Jake Bowers is somebody that I think is a real good sleeper in OBP. Um, I think he just, you know, if he can get the playing time, I don't know what they're doing with Carlos Santana necessarily, but like um, Santana's still in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Santana. Yeah. Even Bobby Bradley is uh, <laughs> snooping around. Just saying. So I got it on good authority that I should bump up Bauer's playing time projection. So I've got him now just as of yesterday to 584 plate appearances. Wow. And yeah, and he's going to hit for crap. He's going to hit like I've got him at a 247 projected batting average, but uh, his OBP is is going to be significantly higher than that. Now I've got him at 346. So again, 340 is not something that you're going to be like, yay, but that's also not going to kill you. So here's a guy that you can get really late in drafts. He's probably gone going undrafted anywhere at this point. I would even suspect that that the more things change, you know, maybe he starts getting picked up late. But like generally speaking, this is your fob waiver wire type of guy. But again, somebody that just is an example of a first baseman that is not going to kill you in OBP but you really wouldn't want on your team when it comes to like a TGFBI average situation. He's 501 ADP on fantasy pros in a couple leagues. He doesn't even get drafted. This yeah. is only in three, five leagues. Yeah. I see him at 520 ADP right around there. So yeah, just not getting drafted or the lat, you know, the Mr. Irrelevant basically. So yeah, I think more people are taking flyers on Ryan Mountcastle, who's a hundred ADPs ahead of him. So well, but this Mount is Castle, a random comparison. Right. But, so. but that's because I think Mountcastle is, 
you know, he's the, the, the touted prospect kind of guy, right? So he's somebody we've heard People about. love those. <laughs> of course. And so, you know, everybody wants to sort of think, but, but, you know, is the reality that that's who is going to be seeing playing time a whole lot? I mean, maybe, but, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like we are, we find, we constantly find ourselves shocked by these guys that like, and this as an A's fan is like super easy to see. When a guy like Brandon Moss or Steven Vogt comes out of nowhere and suddenly performs, a guy like Luke Voigt, a guy like um, Max Muncie, you know, these are guys that feel like they come out of nowhere because we haven't been hyping them since they were in high school, right? Mountcastle has been getting hyped since at least, I don't know if we played in college, but I know I've, I've been here. I think I've had Mountcastle on a deep dynasty league for like five years now. And I've been waiting, but <laughs> I believe it. I feel like it's still time to wait, you know? So yeah. So anyway, I mean, look, I could be totally wrong about Bowers, but if I'm not, somebody go pick him up. The value there is massive. Yeah, if the, no exactly. one's drafting him for the most part. And then you get 500 plus appearances. Woo! Exactly. That's great. So, anyway. So that kind of covers a handful of handful of guys that you would look at differently between OBP and average than you. That's beautiful, Steve. I thought that was some top-notch information. And uh, I hope the listeners enjoy that as well. I uh, am Michael Govier. He's Steve Paolo. We're going to wrap up the pod here with a couple of thoughts, some rando comments and queries. And then uh, there were a couple of emails that came in. So we're going to read those and get your thoughts on that. And then we're going to get out of here. We're not going to do shine or ride the pine <laughs> this week just because – I, like I told Steve, I don't know when the season is going to start, so it's not fair for me to throw quick hitter projections and say, hey, yeah, that's a winner or a loser. And we just don't know. So we're going to can that for now. Table it, if you will. <laughs> okay, so I know I've mentioned to this, I mentioned your comment on a podcast I heard about, hey, I don't listen to any music past 1995. And I just thought that was funny because part of me is really like that a lot, but then you clarified. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to maybe, you know, expand on that since the, this is a podcast that people listen to sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was on Real Fake Baseball with uh, the wonderful Walter McMichael and uh, Paul Martin. Who Those are guys both, are great. Uh, they're great. They're both, however, significantly younger than me. Uh, I am I am a 40-year-old, uh, which does not make me a boomer, but, you know, might as well to some of these I'm 39, kids. so we're right there. there. You go. Right. So, uh, you know, tail end, uh, the tail end of Gen X. Right? Yeah, that's right. We're right. Is that so, true? I don't, I actually, I I don't so. even want to get into that argument. I don't even want to do that. <laughs> I hate enough. arguing about when generations <laughs> end and start. Fair enough. Fair enough. But that means that I certainly came of age you know, when it came to listening to music in the early to mid to late nineties, um, I graduated high school in 98. And so I pretty much feel like that's when music started going downhill was when I graduated high school. Uh, so 95 was sort of this arbitrary, you know, kind of a joke cutoff, but like, I definitely spend way more time listening to stuff that came out from like 92 to 97, sort of anything, you know, 91, even, you know, anything sort of like Nirvana, through until we started hearing from NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. And then I sort of shut my brain off for a few years mm -hmm. until I got into college and discovered indie rock and, you know, started listening to like the Dismemberment Plan and Modest Mouse and you know, Braid, Braid and stuff like that. So, you know, that was, yeah, I did. Braid, I actually wow. did you actually mentioned radio. I forgot. No, I did do a college radio show for, for about a year when I was in college. And, and uh, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw I Braid in 2000. I saw Braid in 2003 in Columbia, nice. South Carolina, this tiny little, little uh, hole in the wall. It was a great time. Yeah. It was a fun band. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, they were a lot of fun. I have not, did not get to see them live, but uh, listened to a lot of their music in the early 2000s. So, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I just think, you know, not saying that there's not good music getting made now. Of course there is. But I think everybody, you know, comes to sort of a, a realization of, of like, peak 
of, of kind of maybe how music felt to them and you, and you realize you never quite go past that. And so for me, it's, it's, it's both music that came out then and bands that were around then and then continue to make music. So I still, I still love Pearl Jam and I still love Dave Matthews band and I still love like Radiohead and, you know, a bunch of bands that still make music and have made music since the nineties, but were definitely a major sort of part of defining, especially the mid nineties and the music of the time. I was really excited because Rage Against the Machines having their tour, you know, it's been the first time they're touring in forever. And now with the COVID thing, they've canceled part of their tour, but our show is still on for now. It's in July. So I don't know what's going to happen with that, but fingers crossed. Really? Yeah. We were really pumped for that. And the whole $125 tickets plus fees. (laughs) People are like, Hey, I thought we're supposed to be fighting capital. I was going to say, (laughs) so, so socialism for thee, but not for me, apparently, Zach. <laughs> hey, you know, everybody's got to eat. I understand that. But uh, <laughs> it's just kind of a strange message because it's a unique band in terms of really selling a message that people really seem to buy into because they have, you know, rabid fans. And it's a mainstream band, though. It's not, there's a lot of bands who are not mainstream, you know, punk bands, small time indie bands who have a message like that that's even more mm-hmm. radical, really. And people are like, yep, that's who they are. And we know that. But when it mix, mm-hmm is together like that mainstream success with the hey we're fighting the man type thing mm-hmm. it gets really convoluted <laughs> no they can't all be the vandals so no ex- Ooh, see? <laughs> i'm telling you guys steve is a, is a cool dude man he's got good taste i knew it uh and then <laughs> and then another thing we talked about on a pod fairly recently which was brought up by our loyal listener ricardo montalban still don't know if uh it's the real guy considering he passed away but i was gonna say maybe it's uh, that would be that would be quite paranormal, but good for it you guys, be. I guess. <laughs> yeah! Wow, man. So, gummy bears over tailspin. Now, you commented to me about this, yeah, and I took offense. I love gummy bears, but to me, tailspin. I stand behind what I said on this pod a few episodes ago. Tailspin was the shit, if I have to say it that way. <laughs> well, look, I'm not gonna tell you tailspin wasn't good. I, I think that your original questioner asking about Darkwing Duck that was actually probably the Disney Afternoon. Uh, cartoon to to beat them all but really? it felt like gummy bears yeah darkwing duck is fantastic a great theme song my kid loves it now i have a five-year-old and he watches darkwing duck dvds in the car like he is <laughs> yeah i swear to god so i hear that theme song constantly it, it holds up um but uh like gummy bears was so original and such like a unique concept you know and like tailspin was cool like don't get me wrong but it had it really was the exact same thing in some ways as like chippendale's rescue rangers or ducktales where they took the classic characters from something that disney already had and they put them in a new scenario and they did sort of give them this life outside of kind of what we know but you know but like gummy bears was just out of left field it was like the smurfs on steroids like it was you know you had this whole medieval night element to it and the gummy berry juice and then all the voice actors you listen like watch an episode now go on youtube and find even just like clips from it and you will recognize the voices from so many other shows in the characters in gummy bears like one of them was like the guy that does the voice for Winnie the Pooh. One of them was the woman who does the voice for Ma Beagle on DuckTales. Like it's all these people who, you know, are the, it's, a, it's like a little all-star team of voice actors from that era. <laughs> yeah. So no, Gummy Bears by far is just, I think, underappreciated and amazing. And another theme song that absolutely holds. It's a passionate plea, I must say. <laughs> I'm somewhat overwhelmed and impressed by that. And I'm going to rethink <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about that Darkwing song. It, it's, it's good. Darkwing Duck. Oh, Let's get dangerous. get dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That is fun. Yeah. I forgot about that until Jazzy. you just said that. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, uh, okay, all right. 
fair point. I, I, I got to give a guy credit when he brings a fair <laughs> argument, and that was very reasonable, Steve. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. And, of course, we're, we want to promote on this podcast, wash your hands, everybody. Please. Yeah. Do you have a song that you're listening to in your mind that you wash I've, your hands to right now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been trying to find – I've seen a few things online, like, oh, you know, this song, Mr. Brightside, or, you know, there's all these different, like, songs that supposedly fit the thing. But, like, again, I've got a five-year-old, and so, you know, he, he's – like most five-year-olds, not – the best at washing his hands because we reminded and reminded to do it right. And so we've been telling him for long before this whole scenario unfolded to sing happy birthday twice, that that was, that was, you know, the right sort of length of time. And so I keep doing that uh, either do that or I count like one, 1,000, two, 1,000 in my head, but yeah, I'm the trying Beatles to find happy like birthday a, or like the standard, no, 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 no. The standard, like uh, happy birthday too. you know, I'm not going to do it. Cause I think, you know, it gets copyright or something, but no. Oh, um, so yeah, I think happy but, birthday is uh, not in, it's in the, uh, is in public domain finally the, yeah the public domain i think <laughs> nice. it is actually so. should be um but yeah so just i've just been doing happy birthday if you do it two times happy birthday to yourself you know like like you're singing to yourself two times that 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 fits the the time frame when's your birthday steve uh, i'm a december baby so just just a little before christmas yeah what's your social security number um <laughs> no you don't have to disclose that uh, say, is this am i in the right place <laughs> <laughs> I'm an August baby myself, so oh, I go. think uh, I think we may be seeing some December babies with all the uh, stay-at-home <laughs> period, with the stay-at-home action going on right now. Baby boom 2.0. Yeah, seriously, well, who knows? Uh, that question I asked you about, or, or really our public service announcement of washing your hands, leads <laughs> into our questions, which that was part of uh, Yancey Eaton <laughs> on Twitter gave us that. What's your hand-washing yeah. song? And then a second part, what activity have you picked up in place of no sports, no baseball, is there anything? I mean, you sound like a busy guy. You're a parent and all that. Yeah, yeah I think you do. You work from home, or I mean, you don't have to go into the details necessarily. No, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Actually, I, I I have worked from home again before before any of this started. I started working from home last uh, last summer. And being a software engineer, there's kind of no reason why my kind of work can't be done remotely. And so I sort of um, got far enough in my career and and got to the point where I could kind of make demands of, of companies. And I joined them and said, Hey, you know, if you yeah. want me to come along, I'm going to do this this way. And, and they didn't, you know, the company I work for now doesn't have a problem with that. So, um, my man. so that, yeah, so I did that. Um, but I do coach my son's t-ball team and uh, assistant coach, a friend of mine from uh, college is our, is our manager, but you know, we've had that, uh, obviously they shut that all down for now. And so, you know, definitely just trying to fill that time. That would have been Friday afternoons and Saturday afternoons for us. Uh, you know, and it was something my, my dad got into. He's retired, but he used to coach, uh, you know, me and my brother when we were little kids. And so he would come out and, and help uh, help out with the team as well. So, you know, we're trying to figure out what we can do, but definitely want to at least get the kiddo out and, you know, throw some catch and stuff with him. And, you know, to Yancey's kind of overarching question, there was not really any baseball beforehand. I don't tend to watch a lot of spring training. I'd rather like, I, I like to read the uh, beat, beat reporters and see who looks like they're not just regurgitating crap from the managers, but actually saying something, but I don't yeah. tend to watch a lot of the games. Um, so uh, Je you know, uh, just, Jeff Zimmerman's mining the news is a great oh, way to just keep yes. up on what's going on. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Cosign for sure. And uh, shout out to Jeff Zimmerman on Twitter. Check him out by the way. Great. Yeah. I know there's no spring training right now, but when it's going on, mining <laughs> yeah. the news gives you every little detail that well, you need to know from all the teams and throughout the whole season when the season does start like he, he picks up on all the little bits and pieces so um so yeah so i haven't really there's not really no baseball to replace because there wasn't any beforehand yet um we're still drafting and doing stuff like that and like i said outside of trying to keep my kids uh kids little t-ball skills sharp i'm not not having to add too much to the to the schedule just yet well thank you mr eaton for your tweet at us that steve got that 
you pulled it out of him. Yancey seems like a nice guy. I don't, do you know Yancey in real world or have you? I mean, I, I'm just on Twitter through other leagues oh, okay. and different things. Yeah. yeah Yancey's a, Yancey's a fun guy. So here it is. Ricardo Montalban <laughs> is in the house and he wants to know with everything all coronified. by the way, these are his words, not mine. Sure. Sure. With everything all coronified, Ricardo Montalban wonders if there is even a season. Um, I think we'll be fine, right? Do you, you have any <laughs> event? I don't know no, what I, it'll be, but there'll I, be a season. I think there will be a season. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be, you know, again, reduced, restricted, smaller. Um, but there will be a season, I think. So. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There's no way. There's too much money at stake. There will be a season of some right. kind. I mean, just if I don't want to be too cynical, but that's the facts. Um, also, what player is this year's Pete Alonzo? Is there anybody you think will be this year's Pete Alonzo or comparatively? I would think maybe Matt Olson because you love him. I do love Olson. And, I, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This year's so-and-so is always a little strange. I don't know exactly what is meant by that. But I do think if you're talking about just generally a, a, a somewhat undervalued sort of power hitter who's going to pop out uh, and, and surprise us all, you know, I think it's very possible that, that that'll be Olson this year. I like Olson, like I said, to lead Major League in home runs and you know he, he's a solid guy when it comes to um you know on base and average nothing spectacular when it comes to the batting average but he's certainly no you know no slouch there um you know he's going to get you runs and rbis that's the good team i think we got in oakland and um you know he's not going to steal a single base all year long but you know that's not what you look for in a power hitting first baseman so yeah i think that if i'm going to hang my hat on somebody this year it would be awesome yeah, I think that's a fine call. No argument here. Uh, this is like a 10-parter, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Part, that part two, who do you think will have the better next two to three years? If we're looking at three-year projections, right. and I know this gets very complicated, no guarantees, <laughs> but is it Keston Hira or Glaber Torres? Would you rather be in Hira's camp or Torres' right. camp? So I definitely don't do projections out that far. So I haven't like officially done anything, but based on kind of what we've seen and then my gut, I, I want to say Torres um but i'm definitely not like this is not like a gung-ho answer like i I feel like either (laughs) one of them you know i think they have pretty similar chances to be solid and pretty similar chances to sort of peter out um torres worries me a little bit he's shown us a little bit of ability to to get hurt but like i said i just think generally that's bad luck and i don't know that you can necessarily apply it to one player more than another so but yeah i would i would i think torres yeah i'll go with torres i'm not real solid on it though uh, part three, name the one player who you think will best benefit from the season being delayed for so long. I think we kind of covered that earlier, but. <laughs> well, I think, I think maybe somebody not, I haven't pointed out exactly yet for sure would be Giancarlo Stanton. If it delays long enough for him to get in a full season, which again, God knows with Stanton, what a full season looks like. But if he were to get 600 plate appearances, if, you know, then I think you're get, you're getting right up there to 40 home runs again. You're getting well over hundred RBIs in that lineup. Um, and that's somebody that, you know, Look, he's shown us what he can do. Is he getting older? Sure. So is you know everybody's getting older, but it's a good player, and 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 I think a little more time to rest is not going to hurt Giancarlo Stanton. And uh, you know another guy again who's gonna he's gonna hit for average, and he's gonna get OBP, and he's gonna and he's and he's and he's you know all 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 of it. If he can just get more playing time, you know, getting a two seventy average over six hundred fifty PA and thirty five home runs at a minimum is not going to be a bad thing. So that's what I said. I'll say Stanton. Which player do you think is this year's Joey Votto? Uh, and little additional point, destined right. to fall off of a cliff. Boy. I Who's going to fall it. off a cliff? Right, yeah. Like, I hate doing that to, to anybody. But, like, 
Um, well, it's no offense, Steve. I'm sure they won't take offense because <laughs> no, they're think, not listening. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about falling off a cliff per se, but I, I think a guy like Trevor Story is highly regarded, and I'm not saying that he's a bad player, but I do mm. think he's overvalued. He's getting to the point in his career, you know, he's, he's sort of ending in, heading into the bad part of the aging curve. He's 20, he'll be 28 years old this year. So he's, he's not the, near the prime, but, you know, we may have seen the best we're going to see from Story. And I think that lineup potentially is going to get worse, not better this year, just overall. Um, you know, I, I personally don't know that Arenado stays on that team the whole year. Um, and I think that hurts story in lots of ways. I think that that hitting in front of Arenado is a huge part of what makes Trevor story valuable. Um, so I don't know if falling off a cliff, you know, necessarily is the right, is the way I'd put it. Um, but I do think that's somebody that's sort of, you know, currently overvalued and maybe destined to disappoint. I think if I really was going to go with somebody who I think might fall off a cliff, who I also maybe would want to see that happen to, um, you know, I've never liked Manny Machado. Can he just, stop performing and disappoint everyone how about that that would work man he's so overvalued <laughs> yeah i'm totally down with that I, I i sold on him in the main yeah. home keeper league i played in last year i got paxton clevenger and giles for him and i was thrilled are you serious so, three for yes. one and you got that's insane it was right Cle at the beginning clevenger of 2019 so okay i was like is clevenger for machado straight up seems like mm -hmm. something that you would you would walk away thinking you won the heck out of so yeah right it was like april 5th of 2019 uh, so I, I was like i gotta get rid of this guy now and maximize value and i know there was injuries again for clevenger and paxton but it still worked out so and i haven't looked back since Okay, then there is another part of this question, the never-ending question. If you had to choose between <laughs> Rafael Devers or Jordan mm -hmm. Alvarez, who would you build a dynasty team around, Steve? Okay. Do we have any concern, I think, I guess the question is, is there a concern that Alvarez only DHs, loses outfield eligibility, and therefore, you know, that kind of hurts you in future years? Or if you're building a dynasty team, getting locked into having a Nelson Cruz when he's you know, a 24 year old Nelson Cruz or whatever Alvarez will be like, that doesn't seem awesome. Um, I like them both. They're obviously both great players. I think that, you know, Devers is not in any, there's no possibility of him losing his um, positional eligibility, which is already a pretty high priority position at third base versus Alvarez who currently has outfield and may lose it. So I think if I'm going to just that alone, because otherwise I think they're, they're very similar you know, hitting profiles. So I think I'd rather keep the guy, you know, the glove is going to keep Devers in the game. So. Okay. Then the final question we have, this comes from Mike. He, it's all he had on his mind. And I said, <laughs> all right, I'll ask him. I think Steve's game. Mike wants to know, how do you deal with a global financial collapse? <sighs> Man, that's heavy. Um, it is. Yeah. Bailout. Lur yeah learn how to make your own clothes i guess uh hmm. yeah acquire a taste for squirrel uh, something i mean you're not gonna be able to buy anything right so learn how to barter learn how to crochet everybody needs crocheted things you know that is make sweaters do you yeah do you know how to do any of that no god no <laughs> i'm a computer nerd i don't know how to do anything real oh you're so screwed man i feel for you i can't do any of that either so don't worry i'll be right there with you steve uh, I hope that helps, Mike. I, we can't really help you. We don't. We are not the global financial experts, as far as I know. Definitely not. Well, I guess that'll uh, pretty much wrap it up, Steve. This has been cool, a cool. lot of fun. I actually mean that. I'm not just saying yeah. that. I've enjoyed the conversation.
for yeah. sure. Uh, so once again, Steve, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Steve Paulo. That's S-T-E-V-E-P-A-U-L-O, Steve Paulo. And check out my stuff there. And then you can go to Tomi Projections, Tomi like Jim Tomi, T-H-O-M-E, TomiProjections.com or CatfishProjections.xyz. Well, this is the, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. I'm Michael Govier. He is Steve Paulo. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining us. Uh, if you want to hit us up on any questions or commentary going forward, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's at protonmail.com and we're on twitter at palazzo podcast same thing two l's two z's i'm drilling that in your guys's head so one day i won't have to say it anymore thank you again steve really appreciate it yeah thanks mike it was a lot of fun Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.